Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. This is Jeff Lindsay. This is Michael Pitt. Hey everybody, it's John Dudley from Knock On TV. Hey guys, this is Jared Scheffler from Whitetail Adrenaline. Hi, I'm Taylor Drury from Drury Outdoors. Hey, this is Nick Mutt from Bow Collector. Hey, this is Melissa Buckman. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter podcast. Working class bow hunter podcast. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. You're listening to the Working Class Bow Hunter. That's right. This is the podcast for Billy Joe Lunch Bucket, the working man, just like me and you. My name's Travis T. Bone Turner from the Bone Collector. Thank you for tuning in. It's really, really not that good. It is time once again, ladies and gentlemen, for another ravishing episode of the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast right here at 1600 Buckslayer Place. We're in the Bucketorium. Sherrard, Illinois, man. What can you say about this town that hasn't already been said about every other town like Sherrard, Illinois? I'm Steve. In the studio today, we've got Kurt. Hello. Eric. What's going on? And our good buddy, Gino Gene Miller. Hello, everybody. Man, what's what what's what's the skinny, fellas? Oh, you know, it's been raining. Another well, rainy day. It's been raining it's been for a about a week straight. Day. Mm-hmm. It's bad. By the time this episode gets released, you'll be like, it's been nice out, though, for the yeah. last month. But, oh, uh, it's weird. It's like a week away from deer season <laughs> when you're hearing this. <laughs> no, it's not going to be <laughs> not that, be that long, hopefully. Um, for some reason, it feels like it's been a while since we've been in the studio, but it hasn't at all. It's I, been like less than a week. My whole, like, I'm so busy lately that it just feels, mm-hmm. I just, my, my brain isn't actually grabbing onto anything anymore. I'm just like. Everything just mingles together. I'm skimming over it. Days are like, I'm like, oh, it's Monday. Oh, man, that's a bummer. Next thing I know, it's Sunday again. I'm like, how did this happen? You yeah. Know? <laughs> it's, it's. 
I don't know. Life happens, man, and so much comes so fast, yeah. and you mix everything else in with it. Plus being the working guy, and you know it's he's hurts wanting you to shut the chair. You know, eh, I get it. To do what? I don't know. You what remember when he said shut the chair? Yeah, he when he meant shut the door. Yeah, yeah, he can't even talk. He's blending his words. That doesn't even. I don't even know. You'd say that it doesn't transfer to anyone listening to this podcast. <laughs> but I think people enjoy that we have inside jokes because they uh, want to believe that we're actually friends outside. Have of the you show ever listened are. to like? You ever been the third wheel with your two friends and they do nothing but tell inside jokes? Oh, and you it's just terrible. Oh, Especially yeah. if you're in the back seat. That's the worst. Okay, so imagine how everyone at home feels. We All right, whatever. Down. Well, instead of being in the back seat. Let's bring you to the front seat. We'll make our own inside jokes together. Join us, will you? <laughs> this episode is brought to you by <laughs> HHA Sports. Uh, by the time this episode is out, the Virtus Rest will be out. Mm-hmm. And so you might want to do yourself a favor. Check that out. Um, go ahead. Talk about the veteran, um, the benefits they're doing for veterans with that rest. So, yeah, it's called the, the Virtus 22 because, uh, as you know, 22 uh, veterans each and every single day take their own lives. And that's something that needs to needs to end. So every sale of Virtus, 2.2% goes to uh, charities that help with veterans with PTSD. It's a silent killer. Uh, we are going to do everything we can to end that. We'll, we need to bring that number down to absolutely zero. But if you want to help out, buy the Virtus, uh, Virtus 22. It's going to be available at all HHA Anywhere retailers. HHA, yeah. yeah, and so lifetime can, warranty. So it's, exactly made in man, Wisconsin. You, shoot, you can shoot straight with both those. Get a good rest, and it's going to a great cause. Yep. Exactly, right. absolutely, exactly. So yeah, we might have a giveaway coming up possibly this summer on that rest. Um, maybe we have some other uh, really good giveaways from HHA. We don't know. Stay tuned though. But yeah, check them out. HHAsports.com. Um, nothing but good things coming from that company. Um, really like what they're doing. Uh, also. The podcast is brought to you by Scent Crusher. Um, Dan Drake, we can't say enough good things about Dan. We have uh, we have some Scent Crusher jerseys coming in the mail. I'm super excited about this. Oh, we do? Those. Yes, Heck I'm yes. super excited. Um, the, from the Ozone Gear Bag, the Roller Bag, if uh, you want to upgrade and feel super fancy. Um, and Ozone, get, the, get the Realtree Gear Bag. Oh, yeah, that mm-hmm. thing's awesome. The Ozone Tote, uh, Ozone Go, uh, the Closet, it's, it's all good stuff. Changing the way uh, we do scent control and the way everyone does scent control, it... it I think it'll be at one at some point everyone will have some sort of ozone scent eliminator product. Like it'll just be like the norm for everyone's like scent killing routine. Um, so check them out, scentcrusher.com. Also brought to you by Elite Archery. Oh, it feels so good to say that. We love our elite bows. Check out the new option series as well as the tempo. I know um, you're, you're in love with your tempo. Absolutely love it. Eric's in love with his option. It's amazing. Option seven, the tempo. Option six, if you want that speed. Brand new riser design on the bow, split limb design. Check out EliteArchery.com. A lot of cool things coming out from them. Check guys. out the tempo. It's if, if you like the Synergy and the Energy series, that's why I lean towards the tempo. I My Synergy is, I just love that bow. And this is a basically a Synergy riser. It's like a, it's like a hybrid. Pretty it's much. a hybrid yeah. between like the synergy and the impulse, and yeah. it creates for a smooth, fast, comfortable bow. Um, nothing's more important about shooting a bow than like where you feel comfortable. Like, what do you feel good shooting? Absolutely. And it just so happens that that's the energy style riser for me, and I found it in the tempo. So that's um, I mean, more reviews to come. Like, we can get into detail and talk about why we chose what and and our reviews on it and uh, 
Hopefully, I'm out shooting Steve and Eric and the rest of the mm-hmm. WCB nope. crew. Nope. Not going to happen. Summer. Not going to happen. No, I Sorry. I would not count on it. But what I would count on is after you shoot a deer this upcoming deer season, it's taking it to Smith's Custom Meats and Deer Processing in Viola, the finest, and I do mean finest, deer processor in western Illinois. Viola, Illinois. Check them out. Smith's Custom Meats and Deer Processing.com. We'll have another giveaway for uh, save yourself some money yes. on a deer processing for our local listeners. Um, so just follow us on social media, workingclassbowhunter.com, Working Class Bowhunter Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Better do that and uh, keep up with us. And uh, Oh, Snapchat as well. I was about to say Snapchat, yeah. Yep. WCB Podcast. And, uh, yeah, connect with, the, connect with us, send us some pictures. And, I think uh, that's the first plug we did for Snapchat. Yeah, exactly. Here, yeah, yeah, we're not for, very good at plugging For all you stuff. young kids, get at us. So moving right along, slide into Steve's DMs. We're going right. to please do. I could use the attention. Speaking of uh, sliding into a um, more important subject, the vet shout out this week, we're going to I'm going to pass the torch to you and I'm going to put you on the spot, Gene. Who you got? Hey, I'll always be on point, especially for my brothers. Hell yeah. <clears throat> but you know what? I'm not going to single out anybody. I want to single out every branch and every veteran that is uh, serving and stuff because this is about America, and this is where we can say God bless America. So hats off to every service member and hats off to every branch. We're all in that together. So but that 22 a day is special to me. i mm, got for sure. brothers that struggle every day, so for we sure. all got to stay tight. We're all in the same boat. Brothers of the struggle. Or foxhole, or whatever you want to look at it. Right? <laughs> but for if sure, you had to sure. lean towards one uh, one particular branch, one particular oh, unit. Particularly the 82nd Airborne yeah, in the <laughs> Army. There is none greater, but I know the rest of you argue that. <laughs> right. Right, on. All right. Love it. Well, thanks for your service, Gino, and we appreciate yeah, thank you. you guys. You have been – You listen, have you listened to every single episode of the podcast? Yeah, like Every twice. single episode, and some of them even twice, some even three times. Even went back to listen to number one just to see how humbling it <sighs> was the he's other day. He's all over again. <laughs> oh, dude. We are very thankful for you, Gene. Oh, we really appreciate that, man. So I thanks for coming again. Guys, man. Well, every, every time we hear somebody and they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm starting uh, – started over. I'm on episode, like – 30 you guys are great it's like no why did you jump about 100 episodes <laughs> we got a lot better we're I starting promise. with number one and we're like ooh. and then people are like yeah you're at about nine minutes of uh talking right now <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> but no i mean it i don't know it's crazy that someone would listen to every single episode we've ever done um but i really appreciate it it's oh, awesome no, i believe in you guys you know you, you do and I, I think i've talked to you guys you got a unique uh, piece that you each bring to the platter mm-hmm. and, and you all feed off each other and stuff and that's huge because you can also reach out to the, the hunting community and people right. and bring more together and, and I've learned a lot and it's helped me shoot so right. you know, it's, it's good stuff so it's humbling if you go back and, and listen to some of that and right. I can share with uh, you know friends and co-workers hey go listen to this one because I know what's on it yeah, yeah. Right. check you this know, out yeah you know yeah. Scent Crusher or HHA or any of your sponsors you know that have come along with you and stuff I mean right. it's huge so Keep doing sure. a great job, guys. And that's the thing. People might argue, too. Like, well, you're – like, I guess some people might say, hey, man, I, if you follow us, you get how it's molded. Like, over time, you see who we've had on, like, the relationships we've built throughout the podcast. And you know why the people that sponsor us sponsor us. It's not just, like, out of the blue. Like, it's typically shortly thereafter an episode or after we've had several people. Like, for example, Elite, you know, Ross and Clark from mm-hmm. Elite and, and Darren Christianberry. We've had those guys on, and they've been on and on again. We – became friends with those guys and that's just the way it works for us anyway is make good friendships and just be real and um 
I don't know. We just want to bring people together with this podcast and uh, and just have a good time. Um, even though everyone might shoot different brands or whatever, it's it's not about having animosity. Like, oh, you shoot this brand, I shoot this brand, blah blah blah. This this like we're all in the same family and absolutely um, brothers of the struggle. I would say that's just fun camaraderie, you know. Like right. I pick oh, on yeah. Marines or I pick on the Air Force, you know. That's just good brotherhood, but we all share the same meaning for yep. sure. Well, let's move right along to the podcast. We have. Greg from New Jersey on. You're excited um, about this guy. I'm really excited about this podcast, and uh, I, I don't even – let's just get him on and talk about it. He's he's a public land guy, um, just grinding it out, working class. Just It's basically what, what – I want to get more people like this on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I there's, a like, lot, there's a lot of knowledge here that needs to be learned, I think. Yes, yes. And not to mention – and uh, we'll get into this with Greg. I, I, won't even, I don't want to go too deep into it, but this is uh, – I'm, I'm really looking forward to this episode. We've never been on the phone with him before until this episode, so this is as real and raw and, and it's just off the top as we can get here on the podcast. So, Forewarning. <laughs> right. I mean, that's every episode, though, oh, right? Yeah. So hope All you guys right. enjoy. Uh, sorry about the extremely long intro. We love you, and uh, we'll get moving right along. All right, so on the phone with us, we've got – Greg Litzinger, or as he's known to his uh, fans on the gram, that's our E Young Kids Instagram, bowhunting <laughs> underscore fiend. Greg, what's popping? I'm trying to be hip. Am I is it working? <laughs> well, it's close. I mean, you're you're getting there. Ah. Yeah. Steve is for the children. All right, I love it. How, how have you been, man? I'm good. You know, just uh, sitting here making up some new 3D arrows. Ooh, there you go. Look at that. It's the season. I made Eric Fletch a couple arrows for me today in the studio before we started the podcast. So uh, I I, I don't think you made me. I think I just did it. (laughs) Yeah, you just did. (laughs) Um, So go ahead and tell everyone who you are, and uh, we'll kind of just continue with the show from there. All right. Well, from New Jersey, the great state of New Jersey, um, diehard bow hunter, outdoorsman, but grew up. My dad was a hunter, fisherman, camping, and uh, just kind of followed suit. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I've gotten older, I've gotten more into, I guess, taking hunting a little bit more serious, I guess. Um, no more goofing off. Every time I go out in the woods, it's pretty much for a purpose, a reason. <laughs> um, there's no more uh, just winging days in the woods. Like, everything, I pretty much deal with my life outside of hunting is to make me a better hunter the books i read you know the exercises and you know the whole mental positivity side of improving day-to-day operations mm-hmm. yeah. cool man uh, you know just working and being a family man and hunting every chance i get shoot my bow working on people's bows trying to you know help people out when i can Right on. So you know, um, if if you look on your Instagram, you know it says you're a, you're a public land hunter. Now, when I think of New Jersey, I think of Jim Tan Laundry in the Jersey Shore. You yeah. might have a different perspective. This ain't just the shore. Um, you know, there's a, there's like tons of critters in in Jersey that you just don't even think about. You know, your public land. Explain to us the layout of 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 Jersey, if you will. Of Jersey, of Jersey, wow. yes. Oh, there's a lot more to Jersey. <laughs> See, well, the, the good thing about Jersey is, I mean, for me, is we have pretty much every type of terrain you can encounter in a, in a whitetail world. We have mountains, we have marshes, swamps, big woods, urban woodlots. It's a good state to really 
I mean, there's a lot of public land, and it's a great state to test your ability in many different areas of, uh, you know, White Hills Range. You know, I, uh, I grew up in South Jersey, grew up, you know, hunting the marshes and the swamps, you know, salt marshes and deep, nasty mosquito swamps. And as I've gotten older, I've dived into some of the bigger woods in the middle of the state and worked my way up into the mountains up in the northwest corner. So it's, it's a great state to really test your ability. Um, you know, there's whatever you want to hunt public land, New Jersey has it. Right. <laughs> we might have high taxes and uh, a few other, I wouldn't <laughs> say shady things going on in Jersey, but they definitely do a lot for conservation for his land, for uh, public land hunting. Right. So well, it's definitely a plus. We live in Illinois, so we don't need to talk like proper ethics with uh, politics and stuff. So. I think you guys rank a lot higher than us, and at least being better. But. Right, <laughs> right, right. Um, so basically, let's just get off um, on on one foot here. Is is why public land? I mean, uh, is it, what what basically put you in the direction to focus on public land? Uh, do you not have private land, or kind of what what guided you in that area? Just you know, uh, my son, my dad, he worked at Dupont's. You know, we we did well growing up. You know, we didn't really need much, but he just hunted public. So you follow suit. You know, when your dad's taking out in the woods, you go where he goes, and just became a you know, labor of love, I guess. I've had some leases, I guess. You know, I belong to a few clubs, but it was just I, don't know, I felt restricted, if you will. You know, you got five hundred acres, you're stuck to that five hundred acres, but. I can go somewhere where there's a thousand acres. To me, that's you know, that's more engaging. There's more things to see, more things to learn. Mm-hmm. And as I've gotten older, I've just hunted more and more public. And I do believe it was to kind of snub my nose, I guess, to the guys that wouldn't give me permission to hunt their land. <laughs> right, right. And you know, go kill a big deer on public is just a, a good, you know middle finger in some people's faces right, right. Uh, but now as i mean as i'm as i'm transitioning into you know middle age if you will it's a little bit more than that it's just uh knowing i'm hunting the smartest deer that's out there right um we get you know, bird hunters duck hunters you know squirrel hunters everything and we areas that i hunt are just blown out i mean we live in one of the most populated states in the country and it's just massive amount of people everywhere so for me i enjoy testing my skill set against the best you know in in any endeavor fighting baseball football to be the best you gotta play against the best and public land allows me to really test my skill set as a hunter (laughs) and my patience and my sanity also (laughs) yeah absolutely if there's uh you know many uh Many seasons where tags go unfilled. You know, there's not right. not the deer I want to shoot, you know, or not a mature deer. A lot of deer sometimes just not that one deer that goes, wow, that's a, that's a pretty big deer. Right, right. So it's, yeah, I, I enjoy the challenge, basically. You know, I, I, tell you what, I would love to have a farm. You know, you can have a couple years, I guess, to look at it, learn it, but the it's hard to get farms around here without, I don't have money to, you know, lease a farm, even get permission. It, it, it's tough. That right. does so, make it tough. I do a lot of public ground hunting as well. This is Gene. And, uh, 
you know, and and you said it, and what I like and I'm intrigued about public ground hunting is the challenge that it has because you run across everything. And one of the biggest challenges I find all the time is running in, you know, there's laws that you could put your stand up and take it down the same day. You go out there, you find this honey hole, you think, you look, there's a stand, you know, and you can only assume the person's going to be there. Well, you find that a lot of people will leave their stands out there for maybe just a gun season, you know, and so, you know, you, you don't know if someone's going to walk across your path, if you set up right there too or whatnot, and it gets frustrating. So the challenging part, and I, this is what I'm intrigued about in New Jersey, especially with the terrain, the rocky part and stuff, is this last year, I've been going down there for 11 years to the Big River State Park and uh, mm-hmm. and hunting there with a good buddy. We camped there, and, and uh, I finally lost enough weight that I can walk down these fire breaks a mile end where nobody goes, and that's the challenge, you know, and you come across different trains, and that's what makes it fun. But do you find those same frustrations there as far as – because this place is, I think, 2,400 acres, you know, so there's plenty of place yeah. to go, but – it's a lot of pine tree, and then you got some dense woods and just a, a mix. So everybody hunts the fringes in those good spots. You really got to hike to get in where nobody's at. Yeah. And it's, it got a lot of challenges with that. Yeah. And well, in Jersey, the baiting's legal, which adds another wrinkle to the mix. Um, I'm not a big fan of baiting. I like people that do it rock on. But for me, it's just, it's not my thing. Uh, I just prefer to hunt, you know, El Natural, if you will. And mm-hmm. with me, I'll be, a, you know, I don't see many, many big deer. If I see a big deer, odds are I'm killing it. <laughs> so there's no like, oh, there he is 100 yards away. If I see a big deer, like the my style of hunting is pretty aggressive to most. You know, like I, I'm all in on every sit. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, big bucks, no whammies on every time I go in the woods. Right. And with baiting, you get. I was like, man, I'm cutting the fresh tracks here every so often. I'm going to set up here or set near, set up near this bedding area, and I go out there and get set up, and there'll be a ladder stand and a bait pile. And I was like, that was not there three days ago, and that's the challenge because you never know where a bait pile is just going to spring up. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, this past season happened three or four times. I go out, you know, out in the middle of the marsh, out in the middle of nowhere, and three hours before light sometimes get set up and daybreak. You're like, there's, Oh, there's a, somebody's out here with a chainsaw, you know, and cut big shooting lanes and there's a giant pile of sweet potatoes of corn. And it's like, oh, you know, it's test your sanity. <laughs> That's for <laughs> right. sure. Oh yeah. Or right. some, you know, someone's bringing her kid out and shooting her gun for the day. And you're like, Oh, you know, <laughs> I've watched yep. a lot of crazy stuff in the public ground, but, do you guys have the laws to where, I mean, can you put up your stand and take them down each day or can, so yeah, they can with they the can baiting, stay, you they can, can stay out them? there. Yep, stay out there whenever. They don't, there's no laws to take stands with you at the end of the season or the end of the day, which, wow. you know, as you've run across, you, their stands choking trees out all over the place around some of my woods. See, what I'm curious well, on that, because, like, what I've, you know, maybe I'm a little more uh, – considerate of people i would think if i see a stand i won't go anywhere near it even on public yeah. ground because I, I only assume and I, and I imagine people go and they'll sit in other people's stands and stuff and that's the stuff i like for hunters to ethically start working on is okay yeah. if you do have laws that put them up put them down i get it. if you're going to leave there and you're hunting for the week you know put a label on it that you're there these dates and stuff and take it down <laughs> 
because you know we got different seasons too so if you're going out bow hunting and it's not gun season well those stands could just be there you know waiting anticipating the gun season yeah and they ain't gonna be hard to if you label them at the top they ain't gonna be hard to read because they're only about six feet off the ground right (laughs) yeah Well, exactly. you know, so there's well, just obstacles I've like, always been curious about. Greg, I want to talk like if you had to give three tips, like three top tips, and if you got if there's got to be more, uh, go ahead. But for for someone that is having a hard time hunting public ground or is thinking about hunting public ground, mm-hmm. um, just if you could rattle off a top three with a little bit of detail, what what three tips would you would you throw out there? Top top three would be. Hmm. Find bedding, number one. Find where the bucks are bedding and the does are bedding, and you'll learn how they interact with these beds. Um, topic two for me would be get away from the trail cameras. Um, a lot of guys with these cameras, they get fix, fixated on the camera, and they'll go out to the same spot every week or every 10 days, and it just blows out that area with scent. Um, you know, Become more of a woodsman, I guess, you know, a student of what's going on. Like, be stealthy. Mm-hmm. And he said, be mobile. A lot, too many people get fixated on one spot because they've seen a deer in this area or there's a rub or a scrape, and they just blow it out. Be mobile. You know, move. You know, stay moving like a wolf. All predators stay moving. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't be static. And a lot of people are afraid to, you know, get out of their comfort zone, I guess, or afraid to take a chance because they might blow out a deer. Well, you know what? You're going to blow out deer. You know, that's the only way to learn. <laughs> Make your mistakes, you know, and don't get frustrated because, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's the biggest I find that people do around here is overhunting stands and getting frustrated because they're not seeing the deer they want to see. Well, you know what? There's not a 140-inch deer running around Every every tree, you know, hang, hanging out behind every tree around here. You yeah, know, this is in Illinois. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Every tree there was, <laughs> and people do in Jersey get fixated on inches. It's about the inches. You know what? There's not a 150 inch deer on every woodlot. You know, there's going to be mature deer. So get away from the inches and start focusing on the age. Mm-hmm. You know, Absolutely. and a five year old deer is a five year old deer, whether it has 100 inches of antler or 200 inches of antler. That is mature smart deer and that's what you should be targeting like right. don't target inches because you're going to come up short at, you know every time mm-hmm. that's a good tip i think that is especially um there's a i don't i'm assuming the outlook of illinois and the midwest out there is like there's big deer everywhere and then people from the midwest think out east there's not any big deer yeah. which is not yeah. the case on, on on both ends of the of the spectrum yeah. there so let me and yeah. I, I want to ask us just so like, you know, cause I, I assume most of our listening base is in the Midwest yeah. and, you know, sprinkled elsewhere. Um, you know, have you ever been to the Midwest? Um, furthest I've been is Northeast Kentucky. Mm, yeah. All right. Well, we'll, we'll accept it. Um, is, <laughs> is Jersey a lot like that? I mean, you know, do you see like, are you in a small town where if you're in a small town, Jersey, are you going to see a bunch of diesel trucks running with you know real trees stickers in the back and a bunch of camo i mean is it is it like we that have, yes we we have that here too that's awesome uh, I, I, I love it dude that's uh, america yeah, south, that's jersey, a, south jersey is pretty we're not really populated 
certain areas. There's a lot of still unbroken timber around here. And there is, you said, the, the diesels, you know, four-wheelers. You know, I was out in the woods the other day, uh, yesterday with the family uh, doing some hill sprints. And sure enough, there's, you know, public, you know state land. No, four, no four-wheelers allowed. Here comes a bunch of four-wheelers ripping all around. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's like, yeah, well, whatever. You know, I don't – that used to annoy me. I used to get frustrated and angry, but kids are going to be kids, you know. Yep, right. Yeah, right. Kids don't follow rules. <laughs> <laughs> for, so for hunting public ground, let's break it down to this. You're the best thing about it, and then give me the absolute worst thing about it. Mm. And maybe you've already said it, but um, we'll just yeah, clarify. The best, is, the best is just having success on, you know, like for me personally, I go to areas where the pressure is the most extreme. Uh, I, I look for that. Like I want to go where everybody's going and do what nobody can. So when that, you know, does stars align and I, you know, kill that buck, that is the most rewarding, gratifying thing in the world to me, hunting-wise. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, I shot this, I mean, down the street from my house, I shot this a few years ago. He's a 140-inch 8, 139, almost 48-inch 8, and... I had so many people stop me, either in a bar or Walmart or where it might be, you shot my deer. I'm like, no. <laughs> Your deer? Oh, that's cool, I guess, because he's on my wall, you know? Right. Whatever. Oh, no. You you know? And like, where are you shooting him? And, I, yeah. and I'll tell everybody where I kill a deer. And people are like, why? I was like, because I want people to know where I, like, I want people to say it's possible. Like, oh, you right. killed that deer there? Yeah, I killed it there. So... It gets people you know, that might have a hard time. They might be, you know, questioning their choices. It might uplift their spirits, or it might make them really mad. But either way, I get a reaction out of them, which I kind of enjoy in a weird way. But <laughs> yeah, you, you know, that was one of the most midwestern things you ever said when you were talking about uh, where people ask you, stop you about your deer. Is the, you you said the bar in Walmart? That's the most. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty much what we got around here. <laughs> um, and uh, I would say the worst is the the jealousy that comes because of that having success on public is there's a lot of people that say some mean things from time to time. Hey, Greg. Um, yeah. Greg. Yeah. Dope, dope shit brings hate quick, brother. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and the best is, uh, you know, we, you, if you're a poacher, we call it road stroking. Yeah, I've been called, <laughs> you know, I've been called a road stroker, a poacher. I film all my hunts, and I've had guys, I mean, MF me up and down. You know, I'm no good, I'm this, and you did this, you did that. I will go to, I was like, oh, really? I'll go to my YouTube channel. I'm like, tell me where, look, read that timestamp, 743. What's up? That's right. What's, What's up? up? What's up? Hey, every time you film, do you get a new haircut? No, I never. Do I get? I have no hair. <laughs> oh, no, nice. <laughs> um, what yeah. I was gonna, I wanted to bring up, um, following you on Instagram, I was watching some of your videos, and you kind of do like little mini breakdowns while you're doing like some scouting, and uh, you had a few posts on there about you finding in a certain area like a little clump of hair, and. Yes. I feel like a lot of times that is a 
and even though it seems super obvious, like, oh, there's deer hair there, that means a deer is there in the area. <laughs> it's the same thing with the track. But you are pointing it out as, like, a very significant um, clue in scouting. I guess a clue is, I guess, yeah. what you want to call it that. Can you kind of break that down a little bit? Because I feel, and, and I don't know if you would agree with me this, I feel like that's kind of an overlooked thing, even though for, for how obvious of, of, a, of a scouting sign it is, you know? Yeah, well, you know, like I said, I grew up in the air, you know, in the, in the hunt, started hunting in the 90s, but there was no trail cameras. Like, so every bit of sign you found, be it a broken stick, a piece of hair, you know, hair in a barbed wire fence, track, you know, aging all this stuff. You know, you you learn to, to appreciate the 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 woodsmanship, I guess. You know, as from the yesteryear, the old ways, I guess, if you will. Uh, and when I find stuff like that, because I'm a primarily a bed hunter, and and like that that spot that you're talking about, it's a lone island in the marsh. I go out to that island. The bed definitely was getting used, but. Somehow, sometimes you don't know how they're coming in and out of this bed or that island. Well, that clump of hair was on a trail that, or an area I never would have thought he would come in that island at, where it's not downwind, it's more like a crosswind. So it kind of opens my eyes, you know, like most people overlook it. To me, it's like, all right, well, he's coming in and out of this spot right here, which kind of goes against mature buck behavior, circling downwind of the bed, you know, it was... Your tracks going in and out where this time of year it's not the downwind side. Mm-hmm. So it's like, all right, that makes a little bit more predictable on my part, or I can have a, a better opportunity at shooting that deer, either from the ground or another set of trees somewhere. You know, so little bits and pieces like that, like a set of broken branches coming in and out of a bed, you know, stuff that most people overlook. I, I take joy in finding that because it's just another clue that I can say, all right, you know, it's, I thought he was doing this, but obviously the signs say he's doing this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my dad was a, a very good woodsman. You know, I learned a lot from him and I'm grateful. <laughs> he was kind of, you know, a little tough with me in the beginning. Um, and it's just, it pays off now, like later on in life. Cause I don't hardly ever use trail cameras. I mean, I ran some this year, but I put them out in September. I pulled them in February. Didn't really check them, you know. So I guess I'm uh, not anti-technology, but I just enjoy the process of figuring it out, like, on my own, Greg, if you will. What, Greg, do you think uh, – hey, I was curious when you are talking about how the deer and your, you know, coming in the bedling traditionally don't, you know, they're coming across with the crosswinds. And so I was thinking about that because I've been running that through my head and in the same public ground and stuff, too. And sometimes I'm wondering, you know, and that's what I look for is those different signs because I think, do you think, too, because of the pressure, you know, and they're doing some non-traditional stuff because of the fringe pressure of everybody else hunting? You know what I'm saying? I, so I think somehow yeah. they do something kind of out of pattern sometimes. Great question, Dean. Yeah. Or I, absolutely. Indubitably. Indubitably. Yeah, I I definitely believe that because a mature buck, if he gets, you know, three years old around here, three and a half, like he's a different different animal. He's just totally on another level. And most guys will hunt down inside of a bedding area, you know, a hunt to standard protocol. Well, these deer will adapt. 
Like they're not, they, they don't want to die. <laughs> right. So they're going to be like, all right, well, I know humans come on this side of the island or the, on this point. Well, I'm going to go against the grain because, you know what, I never smell humans over here. Right. You know, so they can get in and out. And as long as they get in and out a few times, like they feel pretty comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess they would get, you know, let their guard down if they've done something, you know, a hundred times and there's been no, you know, negative effects of doing it, then they're going to keep doing it. Right. And they say they, they're, they're very adaptable. I mean, crazy adaptable. That's a very uh, good, learn, good way to look yeah. at all this. And, and Gene, I'm glad you brought that up. And, and indubitably that's, Greg, it, it, I'm just the whole time you're explaining that I'm thinking like imagine I'm used to hunting private ground. There's not a whole lot of public ground in our area. There's the one place Gene was talking about. Other than that, there's not a whole lot of options. Like Iowa has a lot more. That's right across the Mississippi from us. Like you know, half hour we're into Iowa and we can be on some public mm-hmm. ground. The Mississippi's a river, by the way. Um, <laughs> For those of you who aren't from the area, um, but <laughs> it, it's funny. Like I'm the whole time I'm thinking like, what if I went out hunting with you on public ground? Like I would have. Oh, probably a horrible time and trying to get on some deer or we would be button heads trying to team up on a buck because I'm wanting to do like the traditional scouting methods where you're used to hunting a little bit heavier pressured deer. I mean, I've hunted, I've hunted some pressured deer, but probably not anywhere close to like what you have. So me and you would be an interesting, <laughs> an interesting dynamic to see both of us work together to try to kill a buck on some public ground. You know what I mean? We it's tough. We, we should just see it happen. Uh, why, Greg, why don't you let Kurt crash on your uh, couch and uh, we'll see it happen? <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, I, I got a big house. <laughs> hey, there you go. Bring some yingling back, Kurt. I mean, what's, what's tough about there you that, go. too, you think about your traditional way and – they're on the public grounds and stuff. The other obstacle, I think, where they change their patterns because of the pressure, they get deep in those weird areas, like you're talking about with the crosswinds, or they just get so dang nocturnal. We can find prints and signs everywhere, but they just won't come out in the day because it's like they just know mm-hmm. these well, areas. I mean, yes. It's these high pressured areas, like they always say, like if you over. If you're at a stand too much, that deer is going to start pattering you. He's going to start realizing where you're at, where you're coming in, and what you're doing. Just mm-hmm. like you're yep. trying to do him, and that's right. where you're going to screw yourself up. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and they don't, and they don't make very many mistakes. Like we're, like I tell people, you know, a lot. If you, if someone were to come to you and be like, if you don't kill a mature deer, you know, this year, you know you're going to die or some of you know is going to die. Like you will change your way of thinking like these deer, they don't want to die. So they can adapt on the fly mm-hmm. or we're a very stubborn species. Like if a wolf doesn't adapt, you know, or lion or whatever, any type of predator doesn't adapt, they die. For humans, we're not under that pressure, that gun, because you can go to a supermarket, you can go to McDonald's and get food. But if you change your mindset to a predator prey type relationship, if you're not doing this, you know, you could possibly you know, not make it next year. It can definitely change your way of thinking on viewing things because it puts that might be in the best thing ever said on this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> and that's the diff- that's the difference between thinking and instinct. Yes. That's right. You Look know. at for sure. He just advocated socialism, and you guys yeah. agreed. We rationally you. We think about stuff. Can't believe you. They they instinctively move, and they don't think twice about it, and then they adapt. Sure. Yep. You know. Well, you know, the, well, you know I didn't want to cut Greg off because no, yeah, yeah, such yeah, a good going. point. So basically, if you look at it that way, like if you don't kill this deer, you're going to starve. Yeah. Yes. And it, yep. 
it's it's tough. It's it's a hard thing because you know I've gone three years without even picking up my bow, not even seeing a shooter buck in three years. Like it's it's a lonely way of hunting. <laughs> it, it can be tough. Like this year, it was very rough season for me. Seeing two deer, it's just I was five minutes too late getting to the tree, and well, they run off, and I'm standing there looking at myself, going, "Wow, that's great." Awesome, fantastic. <laughs> so it it's a, it's just tough hunting, but if you yeah. try to take what you can, the positive, you know, the positive out of it, you know, like I I didn't kill a deer this year, uh, a buck, a mature buck, but I did kill two mature does. One that's getting his, I'm going to have her teeth aged. Her teeth were almost non-existent, like gone. Uh-huh. So, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. I might not have been a mature buck, but. This doe, in the area I killed her, she's busted me so many times, and I knew it was her because she had short little stubby legs and these, you know, small little weird ears. And to kill her was, uh, you know, awesome. I killed her on January first. You know, opening day of her winter bow. Yeah, I couldn't. I was, I was tickled to death. You know, that was that made my season right there. I'm the so, same way. If I yeah, can kill a big old nanny on public ground, oh, I am sure. a yeah, one of my, as a 180-inch buck. Yep. One of yep. my favorite stories is uh, that Kurt always tells me is like, uh, you you had a, this is on public or private ground, but you always had this nanny that busted you, and I think you sealed the deal with her. She busted you like two, three seasons in a row, and finally you were oh, like. Oh, there was just one that was so big. Like, yeah, I just have the same story. My dad actually killed her. Oh, it was your dad? Yeah. I, I always thought it was you. Just no, notorious, like, oh, like you knew no matter what stand you are in, even if you hung a new one, she'd come in and look right up at you. It's like, and I had her at 10 yards and, you know, did the old, to stop her, and she, every time I, I did that, I just busted out of there. I'm like. She can't be stopped. And then my dad, yeah. five-year-old doe. Yeah, da- daddy had to show you how it's done. Hey, man, if you can kill a mature doe, especially like Greg did on public ground, you can kill any animal in the world. Yeah, that's for nuts. sure. Yeah, so when you, and you also got have limitations, you know, like what you're to to do, you know, to take it to the next level. Because, I mean, to, to be a mature deer hunter, there's a transition from a deer hunter to a mature deer hunter. It, it, it's a small, tra- a long transition that takes place. And it requires giving up a lot of things, especially on public, because every weekend I spend scouting from January pretty much. I'm still scouting. You know, turkey season's coming up. I'm more worried about finished scouting and getting my trees ready. And it, it's pretty much a year-round, you know, borderline obsessive, <laughs> compulsive disorder. No, where it is. It's 365, I, you know, yeah, and, to do it successfully. That transition is it's tough for a lot of people because they give up before the end. And I'll never forget this this kid, Rich, told me, he goes, once you kill your first big deer, it becomes a lot easier. And I was like, get out of here. Because I kill a lot of nice deer, but I always, you know, I'd either missed or they got winded, busted. And when I killed my first, you know, I guess, you know, industry standard big deer, you know, 120-inch public, it was like... A, like a re- saving grace it was like i can breathe because you yeah. put so much pressure and stress on yourself and it's like it's doable i can i can do this right here yeah. like spent three years getting nothing and then once i got that one it was like i wouldn't say easier but you t- almost like you you can believe that it's possible and you stop putting this hardcore pressure on yourself and you kind of let things flow and just let your natural instincts take over and i went on a right 
six year run there where I killed five mature deer in public in six years. You know, so it was like nice, dude. I would completely agree with that. Like it's, it's. I remember like growing up, being looking at the guys I grew up hunting with, and they're killing big deer, and I'm like, why can't I kill a big deer like that? Like I'm hunting the wind, I'm I'm trying to hang new stands, I'm I'm hunting some of their stands they're allowing me in on, and, and it just it just hasn't happened. And then once you finally make it happen, it it's almost like that pressure on yourself gets relieved, and you're like, okay, like just, just what you said, it's, it's a weight, it's a weight off your chest, is what it is. Yeah, it's possible. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. And and I yeah. went consistently for five years killing big deer and and now I get it you know I've had it to where I've gone years you know within killing big deer like it's just part of it man like especially like uh, like if you try to hold out for a certain class like I know you you know you say the difference is public and or or uh, you know maturity on public ground and some people go for the inches or whatever whatever your goal is as a hunter is is what you want to shoot for but sometimes you don't always meet your goal but. That's what makes a goal a goal, and what makes it so yeah. sweet when you get it accomplished. Um, and that, good. I mean, very all good points there. I mean, extremely well, uh, <laughs> well said. Um, and go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I find too with hunters as if you don't have a goal in hunting, fishing, whatever it might be, life, it, it's hard to <laughs> gauge gauge your you know your progress. If you want to go out your deer just to kill a big deer, all right. How do you want to kill that big deer? Like, there's got to be some rules to what you're doing because mm-hmm. you're going out there just winging it. You might get lucky every now and again, you know, and shoot one. But are you really like you got lucky? <laughs> like every one of my deer, I knew exactly where they were bedding, <laughs> almost what time they would come out. Like all the moon phase, all this, like all that stuff, kind of played out for me, and I knew exactly what was going to happen. You can feel it. You got that inner sense, like it's going to happen today. Like it's going down. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and a lot of guys never feel that because they're just winging it. They're just, you know, shoot from the hip, so to speak. Right. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a tough way to hunt for me, especially cause I did it for years, you know, just hope, poking and hoping. <laughs> you know, Greg, I, I wanted to say this. I, I love how your mind thinks because, you know, you, you were saying, Hey, you know, you need to have goals, whether it be hunting, fishing, or life. I love how you put hunting and fishing above living life. Like, <laughs> like, it, like your main, you know, you should have goals for just those two. But like, as far as like getting a wife, kids, you know, paying the bills, yeah, that's all. That's that's number three on the list. You know, I, I, I enjoy that. You know, what's funny. I had something happen to me yesterday at work. Uh, we we're walking out of work. I was talking to a guy I work with. He goes, "Is all you think about is your bow?" I'm like, "Listen, son, it's all I care about." <laughs> yeah, that's right, son. Hey, priorities, man. Priorities. That's but right. Anything Damn you right. do, whether it's archery or drag racing or whatever, I was having that same conversation. A guy right. was like, "Man, I've spent so much money on it. You're going to spend money on whatever your passion is. If you right, have a sure. goal and you want to achieve it, just like that. Try well, not just, unless your passion is collecting yeah. cans, then you're getting paid for your passion. <laughs> well, it's just funny too. Like a lot, like where, where I work, it's a it's a traveling job, and I talk to a lot of guys who are like. Well, I used to bow hunt, but with this job, I just don't have time to bow hunt. And then they're like, they're talking to me, and I'm looking at them. I'm looking at them like, you don't have time. They're like, yeah. Well, I never bow hunted. I don't bow hunt like you do. And I'm <laughs> like, yeah, like I take my vacations for bow hunting. Right. Like I will, I'll, I'll work what I have to work, and then I'm going bow hunting. I don't live to work. I live to bow hunt. 
Right. You know, exactly. and that's where my priority is. <laughs> that's your livelihood. You got to enjoy right. your life. If you're going to try yeah. and skew me one way or another, eh, go fuck yourself. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's just what I do. Oh, the Joyzy and Kurt's coming out. Good Lord. <laughs> it's just, this is yeah. the way it is, man. It's the way I program my life, and that's the way it'll be forever. And uh, if yeah. every every job I had, it's pretty much like uh, vacations, days off, goes around hunting season. Right. And it, yeah. it it's caused a lot of stress in certain relationships in my life, but like I said, I've been doing this, you know, ever since I was 14. Like, it's, my dad didn't have to say, hey, let's go hunting. I'm telling my dad, hey, let's go hunting. Mm-hmm. So it's something that, you know, I wasn't forced to do. It's just something I enjoy doing, you know, right. fishing outdoors, just anything. And I could never work at a job where I couldn't have access to do the things I want to do. On a, on a regular basis to me that's not that's not living a life you're just going through the motions of living for sure greg no. one thing i want to i want kind of want to change the pace a little bit here um if, if anyone follows you on instagram highly recommended for all the listeners out there uh one of the first things i noticed because i it's something that we have in common and you have a lot more than i have um mm-hmm. but you're a heavily tattooed guy within the hunting industry um and what some of the pictures i saw big gauges and all I just kind of want yeah. to talk about this a little bit because it's starting to become a lot more common thing, but um, yeah. you're kind of the next level tattooed. Um, <laughs> we do, the young kids, we call it inked up. So, yeah, how does that affect, <laughs> like, how does that affect, or does it even affect at all your relationships with people you talk to that hunt? Um, do, they, do people not see you as a hunter? Or how has that affected, like, the relationships you form within hunting in general? Kurt's asking for a friend. <laughs> yeah, some some people they're fine with it, you know, because it's, it's I guess more socially acceptable. Um, other people they just look at me weird, especially like they ask me questions. Like I worked at a couple, you know, archer shops, and like I even worked at you know Cabela's for a little bit. And the looks I would get from people because they don't expect the level of knowledge that I'm about ready to drop on them to come from someone like me, mm-hmm. be it from either hunting. Or set up, setting up a bell or coaching them in the range. You know, it's just some guys are, and women are taken back. Some of them, they think it's awesome. I get high fives. Uh, I don't think it limits, you know, I guess my entry into the hunting world, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause if someone's, someone's gonna, you know, judge me by my tattoos, then that's cool, whatever. Like, I'm not gonna lose sleep over it. Right on. Right. You know, like I'm, I'm a hunt. I love hunting, but I love tattoos. I love art. You know, I, I'm a multifaceted guy. You know, I enjoy a lot of things, but you know, tattoos are just something, another expensive hobby I enjoy. Yeah, right. Yeah. I, I just, I had to ask that because it's, it's becoming a lot more common. But it's, uh, yeah. You know, when I see someone that's heavily, more heavily tattooed, I'm more inclined to go and talk to that person because. I know what their mindset is just they're probably way cooler than what people are thinking they actually <laughs> yeah, are. Right. And uh, yeah. like I have one of my best friends could be on the cover of any tattoo magazine, like full blown his head's tattooed, his face is tattooed. Like it's something tattoos always intrigue me. So if I see someone that bow hunts and has tattoos like to a level to where it's, you know, not just the tattoo on your shoulder, I'm like, well, I'm going to follow or see, you know, I have something in common with this person. I, I feel like I could get along. You're going to make it a yeah. point to go talk to him. And that's, yeah. that's yes. actually how this podcast started, you know, because um, I, me and Kurt actually had mutual friends before we knew each other. 
and I followed him on Twitter. I saw this dude, you know, killing deer with tattoos and gauges. I was like, and this is an East Coast expression. I was like, oh, this guy has to be a good shit. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, man, you know, it's it's one of them deals, you know, if you can start talking to somebody, you can, and you can pick up pretty quickly if the tattoos are like really good or they got them in the clink. You know what I mean? You can always, always tell <laughs> exactly. that, but, um, but it, it's an art form and like, uh, there's a, I guess he, he's our teammate now, uh, Tommy Gomez. He's a professional yeah. shooter and that dude is tatted up. And, yep. you know, you, you look and he's obviously he enjoys art, but what what he does professionally, his work speaks for him. And I, I think it's uh, it's obviously a changing thing. And I think we'll see it more and more. I um, hope yeah. you do. I hope. I, and I'm hoping so, because uh, I plan on getting some sleeves. <laughs> I do. And they're yeah, really I, awesome. I, I went right for the throat. Uh, like I got my throat. <laughs> I was like, because. Because some people are going to be so mad, and you know what? My youth, I enjoyed making certain people angry. You know, because <laughs> I could do certain things they couldn't, and I was—I got my third tattooed. I mean, I've been called a convict. I've been called—you know—I've been to prison. I mean, there's stories. I've been to prison five years. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I didn't realize I went to prison. But all right, fantastic. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the the stories is is pretty crazy, especially when we worked at Cabela's. The stories that were told about me that people didn't even know. I was like, wow, these are grown adults. Wow. Talking stories like this. That's, and yeah, I don't get angry or upset. I just laugh. I'm like, wow, that's what your life revolves right. around. Talk yeah. about well, my tattoos. What I was cool. going to say, what I, what I was just curious about, like before and after you got your, your throat tattoos, like the best man that's going to be in my wedding. Like we haven't even had my, my bachelor party yet, <laughs> but he, his neck's full tattooed, his hands, his fingers, his top, whole top of his head, he's bald, the whole top of his head's tattooed, and he goes, uh, hey man, just a, kind of a pre-warning, like, um, just so you know, like, I might not be able to get into certain, like, clubs or bars or and stuff, like, <laughs> I, I, he's like, I've been getting turned down, he lives in Columbus, Ohio, he's like, I've been getting turned down um, at certain clubs and bars here, like, when I just want to go have a few beers with some friends, like, they just think, like, it's it's not a good look and they'll turn me down like the bouncer will. He's like, so I just want you to be aware that, you know, we might get turned down at some places and might have to leave. And, uh, I'm like, yeah, first off, if anyone ever does that, those are, that's a place we wouldn't want to be anyway. Exactly. But yeah. Have, exactly. Have you ever like, did you notice a huge difference? Like right before and after, like, was there a hard line? Like before you got your neck tattooed and right after uh, a, a little bit, like some people distance themselves. Um, you know, at the time I was working a lot and going to school, so I didn't really have a lot of interaction with like outside my daily routine. But some people definitely kind of turned away for a little bit. Uh, but I guess that's human nature. People don't really understand certain things. So it's best to run away from something I guess they don't fully understand. You know, but, right. you know, I guess it doesn't really bother. I mean, some. I lost, I wouldn't say lost some friends, but there was definitely some moments where it's like, wow, I thought we were cool, but like, I guess not, but all right, you know? Yeah, which is so weird, right? Like, it's, it's just yeah, a bizarre thing. Like, ink, yeah, ink closed. So if somebody buys a, a big fancy house, you're not going to be friends with them anymore? Right. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's like, come on. But people, I guess, are afraid of what they don't understand, I guess, is it's probably true. the best way to put it. 
good point. Preconceived judgments that don't need to take place, and if they just took the time and looked past the exterior and actually listened to their heart, they might find out more about them they got in common. That's just something that bugs me. No, 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 Gene. You you don't understand how society works. We judge everybody purely based on pictures and what we think they're like. (laughs) You guys are missing the boat, man. I I look at you, and I see tattooed, and I see you kill big deer, and, ah, man, don't even want to talk to you. (laughs) People are missing out. You know, and that's the thing that I'm really excited about with the the changing of where the hunting industry is going. Guys like Tommy Gomez, big, you know, tatted dudes, you, Kurt, I I love it, man, because this is the real world. You know, you go on a job site, you see a guy that's big tatted up and you're like, you know, if you have the assumption, oh, this guy, uh, this guy spent time in the clink. Well, you go talk to him and you find out. This dude's a three-time combat vet, you know, yeah. and, and this dude's, like, super high-ranking, and then he came into the Helmets and Hard Hats, which is a super cool – or Helmets and Hard Hats is a super cool organization. You just don't know, and you, and that should be the biggest clue that, dude, these guys that you're going to sit there and judge are either going to be the best human beings on the planet, fought for your freedom, or they're killing big deer th- than you, or bigger deer than you. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> Or out, yes, exactly. or out shooting you or on out the shooting range. You, you know and what that's, I mean? That's where I want to transition, Greg, is uh, let's talk about your 3D archery involvement a little bit. Yeah, well, I get a tattoo story about that. <laughs> the first competition I entered was uh, qualifying for the, the world a few years ago, in 2013, I think. And it's summertime, so I got cutoffs on, you know, cutoff sleeves, shorts. And the guys I shot with, didn't talk to me for 30 targets. Older gentlemen, they, they were just antisocial. It was my first tournament. I was nervous. By the end of the day, you know, like we tally up scorecards. Like I beat both of them. I mean, you know, I crushed both of them. And it was just kind of funny. Like it was a, a, a fitting like, hey, what's up? Oh, what was you, what'd you score again? Okay, because I, I, I do believe, okay, yeah, I beat both of you. Okay, just check it. And I seen them a few <laughs> weeks later, and they were so nice to me. After that, and I was like, "You couldn't be nice to me. You judge me on my tattoos." And then you realize, "Oh, he can shoot. He's a nice guy." Now I want to talk to you. It's like to this day, I see those guys. I from time to time, I just ignore them like they don't exist. I was like, you know, I ain't got time for people, fake, you know, fake wannabe shooters, whatever. You know, you're old. You're like fifty or sixty. Come on, get over it. Right. <laughs> I, you know, I got I got a funny story. I've told this story on the podcast a couple times, Greg, and you'll enjoy this. My uh, my old lady, Amy, she's Canadian. She shoots, and uh, <laughs> I just want to let you guys know. While uh, everyone's like, "Why is she dating you?" Because she's polite. She's Canadian, so and she's young, and she's young. She America's hat. She hates her dad, or something. I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, um, we're hanging out at the archery shop, and you know she's sitting there shooting, and there's some you know some country boys come in with their single cab, two wheel drive truck. You know, not diesel, <laughs> full cab. You know what I'm talking about. Daddy bought it. Daddy bought it, and they're sitting there. Uh, they're shooting, and they're they're kind of giving her, you know, when she's uh, getting her bow out and everything. Oh, oh, you're a chick, huh? Oh, yeah, you must have seen that Hunger Games. Here's uh, they're shooting, and she's like, "Hey, I want to shoot." And I didn't have my bow, so I'm just kind of in the back, um, shooting the breeze with it with a couple of the techs and another guy who's there, a good buddy of mine, Marty Mills. Love that guy to death. He. He walks around the corner and he's got this biggest grin on his face because he was there when they were saying that. He comes out, I'm like, what's so funny? He goes, Amy is putting on a clinic for these boys. 
And it was the funniest thing because these dudes are shooting in their group. Dude, man, they wouldn't hit the broadside of a barn if it was three feet in front of them. And she's awesome. sitting there knocking fletches off, and it's the funniest thing to watch because they're like, "Oh yeah, man, my uh, my bow ain't uh, ain't shooting right," and it's you know probably the what would Clark call it the sight torque <laughs> isn't yeah. working. But it's just that. <laughs> Oh, you know, you must have picked up that bow so you could, you know, shoot with, like, uh, the Hunger Games chick. But it's just that preconceived notion that just gets squashed immediately. Their loft, so, hey, their loft the loft, the lock of, you know, talent. Loft. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, the, the best is you, you get off the course with some guys and right off the bat, I never shoot this many eights. I'm like, um, actually, you do because you just did. It's always... <laughs> Always an excuse. It's like, come on, dude. Like, we all have off days. You know, you take it. You know, take the good with the bad. Oh yeah, you know? th- th- this never happens to me. You're just so pretty. Yeah, come on now. <laughs> come on now, Greg. What? What? Uh, do you normally just do like local 3D shoots for fun, or do you do any of the IBO or ASA shoots? Or yeah, I do. Uh, I, I did IBO. I do Delaware states, Virginia states. I try to do PA, but it always. I can never seem to get out there, but I go out to the world. Been to the worlds twice. Um, wherever, wherever higher level competitions, I, I like to shoot. I mean, I'll shoot with the local, you know, kids around here, but I kind of lose my focus if it's not a high pressure situation because the high pressure it's, yeah, either makes me or breaks me. Like I either come out of the gates and I just you know shoot amazing, or I just freeze up and just have a tough time yardage or, or something. So I, I enjoy that, the higher level, you know, competitions. Um, I, and get, that's, you I know, get that. Because with the pressure and stuff, I just think it adds an extra element of concentration. I don't know what it is. I myself, yep. I'm, I'm an adrenaline junkie anyway. So yeah. I think it's the pressure that helps me focus more than when I'm by myself sometimes. I start thinking too much and frustrating myself yep. and then overthinking. Mm-hmm. Hmm, really, you probably yeah. just jump out of a plane or something, clear your head. Oh, I think yeah. I, yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of back, yeah, a lot of backyard chance. Like, everybody's good in their backyard or their home range. I mean, I shoot 315, you know, IBO, it's 330 max, you know, uh, perfect score. I shoot 320s all the time. Like, oh, that's pretty amazing because that's like – 20 X's and like 10 10's because rock on dude because that's elite level shooting right there and you take him out and like said oh my sight it's my string it's my rest it's this the sun's shining you know the clouds are in the sky the, the trees are green I can't focus <laughs> like come on man you know, <laughs> no, Errol don't lie man I love it. bad shot that is awesome what, what's one tip you give or a couple tips whatever you need uh, that you want to give to someone that's has they shoot they hunt they bow hunt but they haven't got into 3D archery or tournament archery of, of, of any sort. But tip is just uh, do it. It's, it'll expose your flaws. Um, exponent, you know, if, I tell guys, if, if you say shoot in your backyard, you're comfortable. Like if you have a 120-inch or 40-inch deer or 50-inch deer coming at you, your comfort zone goes right out the window. You need to put yourself in the worst possible scenario so when that situation arises, you know, you're comfortable taking a, a, you know, a shot, you know, a shot with your elevated heart rate and competing is for me is the only way to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I started competing cause I started shooting three day and I developed target panic. I end up you know, finding a coach off Archer talk. The guy lived, you know, pretty close to me is uh, Dave. 
and he was a level four coach at the time. And I told him, I was like, I shot three deer in the guts. I don't want to shoot anymore. I developed target panic. You know, the hair triggers on these index trigger releases that are out now, those are faster. And your, you know, your flaws are exposed tenfold. Mm -hmm. So we basically started from the bottom and rebuilt myself. And I started shooting 3D again. And I was like, man, I'll never forget the day I shot a 292 on the course with a hunting bow, like with my hunting bow. And the best score, I didn't enter that, that day, but the best score was like a 298. And I'm like, I can do this. You know, like I'm shooting, you know, groups of five people. I don't know, like random people. It's like, I think I can give this a go. And there I go. It jumped into you know, target archery. And since I've started competing, you know, knock on wood, I haven't lost a deer. That's awesome. You know, so there is benefits to putting yourself out there. And it's got to be out of your comfort zone. You can't just go to your local range and, and compete. You got to get out of sight, you know, shoot different ranges. You know, work on your yard's estimation. You do the things that you don't normally do on a regular basis, and you'll get better if you want to get better. Right. You know, as buying a fancy belt. Yeah, as the yeah, young kids would say, fan. be about that life. I don't even know what you're talking yeah. about. Is that what the young kids say? <laughs> just, I don't know where this came from. You just, say, you just stop with the young I'm, kids stuff. Yeah, no, I'm about know. that life. About that life. <laughs> <laughs> just be about it. Yeah. Hey, you know, and I got a like a question. lot of guys, like my coach was in the, in the, he was pretty, you know, straightforward with me. He's like, if you come here with a different bow or a different sight, I'm not coaching you anymore. Ooh. I was like, why? He goes, a diff, a, a, a bow or a sight isn't going to make you a better shooter. I don't care what they say. Marketing says it is not going to make you better. And he's absolutely right. You know, you, you got to work on your basics. You know, like this year, I, you know, I kind of dumbed it down. I shot shoot the riser last year. You know, shot well, played second and third. You know, in Delaware and Virginia, and I felt like I was cheating because I shoot the hunter class. I'm shooting, you know, two thousand dollar setup. So this year I bought a used bear anarchy off Archery Talk, and I have it. You know, I got my fat arrows, you know, and pretty much it's a pure what I could take out hunting. So I want to test my skill set this year on how good I really am without, you know, modern engineering, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the bears, the bow, the specs are great, but it's not, you know, a shoot-through riser, the lateral stiffness isn't there. So it's definitely going to test my ability as a shooter, a pure shooter, if you will. Right. Okay. Yeah, add a little challenge to it. Sure. Um, so, you I had a, a quick, quick question, Greg, because I, and I don't know your physical attributes, but... If you want to try something as far as pressure, and I forget what it's called, what is that 3D tournament where you actually you do some climbing through the mountain and it's, oh. it's, it's like archery challenge? There's archery a boat. Yeah. Yeah. It used, to be, like called, of them, it used to be called Bowcast well, at the Bird. Yeah, there's tra- Train the Hunt one. We got around here. Like, I'm actually, right. I entered that one in the end of June. I'll be doing that here in PA. Okay, okay. that's what it's, I was wondering because yeah. I think that's something I would be in, you know, interested yes. in. And I'm, I am new to the 3D world. Well, there used oh. to be Bowcast at the Bird out west, and that was when uh, the Bowcast podcast was really big. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I know our our buddy Kenny Simpson still does the Bowcast podcast, but I don't know. Like I, I don't know that if was like the, that was like the start of it. The whole thing was yeah. It? I don't yeah. know if that that's the same Bowcast, but I know yeah. Bowcast at the bird. It was in Utah or something like that. I, I mean, correct me if I'm yeah, wrong. Yeah, they but. got the photo archer challenge is a is a big one. Um, but there's no, I mean, you hike and shoot you know, 120, 
20, 140 yard shots, but uh, it's not really like a pressure situation because you can shoot with your buddies. But there's a couple, you know, the the train to hunt. There's a what's the other? There's another one. Pacific Northwest Challenge or something. Right. I, Those I are the ones maybe. I was thinking more because you got to go up and you got to keep your heart rate up and stuff and take the shot. Yeah. It's a, it's a whole different. And forget all that yeah, noise, man. I'm, I'm trying to talk to these local clubs to let me get a golf cart and a caddy. <laughs> yeah, I got that train to hunt. I was doing some of the exercises the other day. You got to do like stuff with 50 pounds, step ups, step downs, and get ups. And. You know, over shoulder bag toss and do three hundred yard sprints and shoot. Good lord, that is tough because you do this physical challenge and you got to sprint three hundred yards and come back and then shoot for points. Mm-hmm. Like you got to shoot a three target for points. I mean, and I shoot a, a spike release like a Whalen hooker, and you can't really manipulate that thing. It's more, you know, I'm almost a pure back tension style shooter, and I got to loosen that. I got to lighten that thing up a little bit because. When my heart's beating that fast, I have a hard time executing a clean shot with that release or any release for that matter. It's a totally, it opens up a whole nother, you know, like, oh, I can't believe I'm doing this. <laughs> Throws up all my training I've done for the last few years, but it's a good, uh, good exercise. Humbling. Sure. Greg, one thing I want to hit you with in closing on this podcast is we do a segment we call the rapid fire question segment. Oh, and, uh, good Lord. It, it's a uh, <laughs> quick, Quick answer questions. If you absolutely feel like if you, I mean, if it gets down to it and you have to elaborate, you can. But for the most part, it's uh, we ask a question, you give an answer, and we move on. Oh. Steve, right. Steve will fire off the first one as he always does. Because yeah, he, no, because I to do it. No, I know the dude. Normally, my question is favorite pro wrestler, but I already know you're from Jersey, and uh, you know you guys love them ECW guys. I know it's Tommy Dreamer, so I'm not even going to ask who your favorite <laughs> pro wrestler is. So. Let's continue, Kurt. Okay, I don't know what I, I don't. I didn't understand a word you just said. No, it was all gibberish. Was that not clear? I'm sorry. I thought I was talking to the microphone. Okay, Greg. Favorite camo. Favorite camo. Uh, right now, scree. What was that? Oh, what? Scree. Favorite camo. Scree. S K R E. I don't know if I'm familiar. Never heard of it. Speaking of gibberish, <laughs> what is scree? <laughs> we'll have to check that out. Yeah. <laughs> Favorite movie. Uh, River runs through it. Last song you played? Last song I played, Bro Him by Pennywise. Favorite band? Ooh. Favorite band, Pennywise. Pennywise. <laughs> hey, how about that? Favorite outdoor magazine? Outdoor be outside. Favorite bow brand? Yeah, I like them all. I can't. I have six different ones I'm looking at right now. <laughs> <laughs> Backstrap or jerky? Uh, backstraps. Favorite outdoor-related show? I don't watch TV. I like that. Mm, that's a good um, answer. First, I'll, <laughs> I'll ask this first because we need to answer this question. Do you listen to podcasts, like, in general? Do I listen to podcasts? Uh, a few, yeah, here and there. What's one of your favorite podcasts? Uh, I would say, you know, nothing against you guys, you know, but Midwest Whitetail, like Aaron and Zach. They uh, they're, they're good dudes. They gave me. I, I did a podcast with them last year, so they're pretty, you know, straightforward dudes. I didn't yeah. know Midwest Whitetail had a podcast. Yeah, they do. Aaron, what do they call Aaron's podcast? Yeah, Aaron's podcast. Yeah, yeah I have to look oh, her up here. Either. 
I had no idea. Awesome. Yeah. I will look But they're up. competition, so we don't bring them up. No. <laughs> Come on. <Yeah. laughs> um, morning or I after? I'm a little partial to that because I, they interviewed me first. So sorry, guys. <laughs> hey, yeah, all right. We'll change it. We'll just interview you more. Uh, your first is always your favorite. <laughs> I get it. Uh, morning or afternoon hunts? I'm a morning guy. Typical deer or non-typical? Huge typicals. Hang on or ladder stands? Hang on. Beer or liquor after killing the buck of your dreams? Beer. What's your dream hunt? Mm, Mountain goat or Ibex. Nice. Favorite restaurant? Favorite restaurant? Yep. Mm. Oh, jeez. I don't even know. Mickey D's. Uh, I would say I like J.B. Dawson's. Don't know what that mm, is. Okay, I'm going to guess that's a, a, something a there. Local deal. Some burger joint. <laughs> uh, <laughs> favorite tree stand snack? Favorite tree stand snack? Peanut butter and jelly. My man. Fixed or mechanical broadheads? Uh, fixed. Face paint, face mask, or neither? Neither. El natural. El natural. <laughs> um, finish the sentence. During hunting season, my wife blank. Lonely. <laughs> During the off season, my favorite thing to do is blank. Off season? Is that a TV show or something? I don't know what that is. Oh, <laughs> that's a great answer. Very well played, sir. Fantastic. Yes. Very well played. Greg, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. That's is there really anything you need to shout out or plug or anything like that? Uh, just uh, you know, check out my page, my YouTube channel. I mean, I don't really have good editing skills, but I got some some good buck kills in there and some little uh, scouting footage and stuff I do. Uh, you can check it out, like Bell Hunting Fiend on YouTube, and just check out Behind the Bell, Curtis, and uh, he's got some good stuff in there. He's up and coming videographer, great hunter, fantastic storyteller. I mean, amazing storyteller. Awesome. I'll link all that in. This is going to be a featured episode on Working Class. Uh, working Working Class. Working, wow. working, working Class. com. One too many bush lattes here on the podcast tonight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. What is the, by the way, what is the beer to drink in uh, Southern Jersey? Beer to drink Southern. Yeah, I mean, Yingling's the staple. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. You got Yingling, Yingling Light out there or what? Yeah, you got Yingling. I mean, Yingling's great in PA, so it's not that far away. We get them all. Nice. Nice. Well, uh, we really appreciate you coming on the show. I hope all our listeners learned a little bit about uh, public ground and uh, just how to be a better person, not judge people by their <laughs> tattoos. Yeah. <laughs> right. um, but, no, man, we really do appreciate it, and uh, we hope you'll come back and do another podcast with us. I had a lot yeah, of fun. Yeah, and, uh, like, give one more, you know, to – I mean, if it wasn't for my, you know, the, my followers, I guess, on Instagram, they got, I guess, my attention for you guys. It's just uh, – Thanks to everyone that, you know, believes me and follows me and, you know, says good stuff about me. Absolutely, yeah. Did Aaron's podcast ask you on for a second episode? Uh, the Aaron's? Uh, no. Nah, okay. <laughs> okay, well, we did, so, you know. Yeah, there are. Uh, there was that. You want to change any answer that you... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe next time. Yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah, right, we'll sure. ask it again next time. For right. sure. Well, man, we appreciate it. We, uh... We'll... We're, we got your full support here. We'll do we'll do anything we need uh, to, just to get you out there. And uh, I like promoting guys like you, man. Just 
as as real as it gets and just true and hardcore yep. at, at what we we love and believe in. So and we, we could post your phone number yeah. on the website so everyone can call you too because I'm notorious oh. for giving people's oh. phone Let's numbers out. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure your old lady will love that. Who's calling you at two in the morning? <laughs> oh, is this some dude? Yeah, you'll get you'll get three yeah. phone is calls. Is Jason State Farm? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's Steve from Working Class Bow Hunter. Oh, he needs a he needs a ride again. Steve wearing yeah. scree. Oh uh, yeah, thanks guys. I appreciate uh, the opportunity. Right, hey, man. Thank you so much. Good thank time. You. Stick on the phone real quick, Greg. All right, just thank you to all our listeners. We appreciate you listening. Uh, all the support. We love you so much. Um, and really, you know, it's that time. Go shoot your bow. I mean, what else are you doing? Buy Good stuff luck. on the website, too. WorkingClassBowHunter.com. We love you. I'm Will Cooper, host of Hunt Stand's Make Your Mark podcast. If you haven't already, download the free Waypoint TV app to listen to our podcast and watch the original films from Hunt Stand Presents anywhere, anytime, and on any device.